Welcome to the A to Z Fantasy Football Podcast. This is your host, Zach Householder. Thanks for tuning in. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to the first episode of the A to Z Fantasy Football Podcast. Uh, first, a little bit of background about me. So A to Z is something I've been kind of dreaming up for the past few years. Uh, stems from me and my best friend Alex, who is also a contributor to the, the Twitter page, the website, and will be on the pod eventually. Um, him and I started playing fantasy. He actually introduced me to fantasy for the first time in 2016. Um, asked me to be in one of his family leagues. And at the time, I was a really casual NFL fan. I'm a Packers fan, so I would pretty much just watch the Packers games and not really care much about any of the other teams. Um, since playing in Alex's family league, I've taken on a whole new appreciation for the NFL, for football, and especially for fantasy football. I think it's a, a lot deeper game than a lot of casual NFL fans think. A lot of people think fantasy sports may be dumb. I think there's a lot of strategy. I think they're really fun, and I think it really opens up the NFL in a whole new way. So if you're a fan of one team, you can still appreciate players on other teams, but not lose your fandom to the one team. At least that's how I am. I haven't flipped fandom because of my favorite fantasy player. Um, he may not play on my fantasy team or my real life team, but he is one of my favorite players. So an example would be Alvin Kamara. Um, I've been a big fan of Alvin Kamara over the past few years. I'm still a Packers fan but I love watching the Saints because I love watching Alvin Kamara. A few years ago, I wouldn't have been doing that. Um, thanks to fantasy football, it's kind of opened me up um, to be a more open-minded NFL fan, I guess, as opposed to just a fan of a single team. Um, anyways, uh, over the past few years, A to Z fantasy football has been kind of a an idea. And then since the COVID quarantine has been in effect, I've been working from home. I'm still employed and I'm very thankful to be employed, but I have uh, some downtime. I'm pretty bored during the day and I just decided to go for this thing. So one day I spent about four hours making logos, including the one you see on this pod and sent it to Alex. And I said, Hey man, let's do this. So welcome in to episode one. I'm glad you're here. Uh, my goal with this platform is to provide thoughtful content on players on teams that helps you win your leagues and maybe can give you a different perspective than what you hear other places i know that um, everyone these days wants to be a fantasy analyst i can't blame them it's really fun so i'm giving myself a shot at this i'm gonna see how it goes um, this is something i'm doing totally for fun I think it'd be cool if it turned into something else, but I'm not banking on that. So this is all for for good times. I hope it helps you guys. It's something to keep me busy during the quarantine, hopefully afterwards as well. So um, in episode one, I'm going to keep it simple. Um, I recently wrote an article on the website about a startup dynasty league I was asked to play in uh, a couple weeks ago. It's a super flex league. There's 10 teams. Um, draft order was randomized. I got the one of one. 
So I want to break down that team that I drafted on Saturday. Alex is actually in this league too. I might touch on a few players from his team, but I'm primarily going to focus on my team because I care about my team the most. I'm just being honest with you. I want to win this thing. So um, without further ado, let's hop into the uh, the roster breakdown. Uh, thanks again for tuning in and let's go. Okay, so as I mentioned before, this is a dynasty startup draft with a super flex position. If you're not familiar um, with super flex, I'll break that down for you here in a second. First, I want to touch on a dynasty league. So with a dynasty league, you have a lot more things to consider. Um, a redraft league, you could have a bad year. Next year, you start over. Dynasty league, if you botch your startup draft, you're stuck with those players. You enter every year with your previous year's roster, and then you'll draft from the incoming rookie class only. So good players aren't going to be available in the draft. They're already going to be on rosters. You're going to have to take your gamble on rookies that are incoming and haven't proven themselves at the NFL level yet. This offers an interesting dynamic and dynasty that isn't there in redraft because you're not necessarily risking anything on unproven players when you can just take a guy you know is good. This makes your startup dynasty draft so important because you have the entire player pool to choose from. You, you have your proven studs along with your unproven rookies that could be superstars. Uh, you have to take your shots on those guys, but you can't pass up on guys you already know are good. Um, so offers a lot of strategy to dynasty leagues that isn't necessarily there in redraft leagues where you just change your team every year. You could have a totally different roster construction every year. Dynasty, you have to commit to a strategy in a group of guys and then build your team around your initial core of drafted players. So now I'm briefly touching on the super flex position. We're all familiar with flex being any one of running back, wide receiver, or tight end. You can start any of those skill position players in that spot. The super flex position now adds quarterback into that mix. So these aren't two quarterback leagues technically, but 99% of the time you're going to see managers start a quarterback in their super flex spot because they score the most points on a weekly basis most of the time. In redraft leagues, late-round quarterback is a very popular strategy because you can usually get a startable fantasy asset in the 10th round or later. Uh, super flex leagues, since you start two of them, they go quick, often immediately. You, it's not surprising to see a quarterback taken at the 1.01 in super flex leagues. And you'll see here in a minute, that's exactly what I did. All right, so we're getting close to unveiling my roster first i want to look at the roster breakdown what positions are started how many of each do i get to start so it is one quarterback two running backs two wide receivers one tight end three flex and one super flex obviously that gives you the flexibility for that second quarterback so i want to run through position by position who i'm rolling out week one um with a dynasty league, you'll see deeper benches. This league has 24 bench spots. So I don't want to run through every player I drafted. That would take way too long. But I will post a link to the draft board in the description so you can 
see who I drafted and where I drafted them. So if you're trying to gauge the value of certain players, you can certainly do so. So at 1.01, Patrick Mahomes was the easiest selection of this entire draft. Um, Mahomes is 24 years old. We all know he is amongst the elite quarterbacks playing right now and has already put himself in the conversation at 24 years old for being one of the best quarterbacks to play. Um, That's insane. I feel insane saying it, but when you have started two years and your first year you won an MVP and your second year you won a Super Bowl, you're off to about as good of a start as you could hope to be on. So in 2018, Mahomes took over starting duties for the Kansas City Chiefs for the first full season. He threw for 5,000 yards and 50 touchdowns. Both of those numbers are extremely rare. We don't see that very often, let alone from a guy in his first year as the full-time starter. Um, I know a lot of people thought that 2018 was fluky in terms of the productivity But in 2019, he came back and won a Super Bowl. So while the productivity wasn't quite the same, it's not like Mahomes had a bad year. He just didn't have an outlier of a year like we maybe saw in 2018. That being said, Mahomes was injured in 2019, and that did put a dent in some of his productivity. I don't think 5,000 yards and 50 touchdowns should be the normal for any quarterback. But if there's a quarterback in the NFL that could achieve those numbers again, it's Patrick Mahomes. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he eclipses 5,050 again because he's still so young. He's surrounded by so much talent in Kansas City, and they keep on bringing in more. Um, Bring in a pass catcher like Clyde Edwards-Alaire out of the backfield to pair with your speed on the outside and Tyreek Hill and McCall Hardman. Travis Kelsey is an elite tight end at 30 years old. Mahomes has everything he could want, and Andy Reid keeps on bringing in more and more for him. So I don't know if 2018 was Mahomes' ceiling. That's crazy to say because, like I said, 5,050 is super rare but he was 23 years old and you don't peak at 23. So he's still going to get better. Um, At the end of the year last year, there was those audio clips of him saying that he's just now learning how to read NFL defenses. That should be terrifying to all defenses across the entire NFL. Um, As Mahomes continues to mature as a quarterback in the NFL and continues to learn, he could get even better and we could see even more historic seasons from Mahomes in the future. So I'm going to work down my roster position by position. We just talked about quarterback. Next, I'm going to talk about running back. My first running back taken was Jonathan Taylor at 3.01. So I took a rookie in the third round. Uh, Jonathan Taylor is 21 years old. He was selected in the second round by the Indianapolis Colts who traded up to the ninth pick in the second round to take him. Taylor's combine was bananas. He is an elite athlete. He proved that at the combine. He weighed in at 226 pounds and still ran a 4.39 second 40-yard dash. We talk about long speed not necessarily being a factor for running backs, but if there's a guy who can wiggle off a few tackles and take one to the house, that's going to be Jonathan Taylor at the next level. He's extremely hard to tackle. He's very strong. And he can make linebackers miss. 
He's going to be a problem for secondary players like corners and safeties because how strong he is. His long speed, I think, matters, especially at his size. He's going to be hard to tackle, and if he can get away from one or two defenders, good luck catching him. When you look at Jonathan Taylor, you can very easily see a path to him becoming a workhorse back. The team is not committing to Marlon Mack. There were rumors of a contract extension that didn't really come to fruition. The team denied the extension talks. Um, Naeem Hines is a pass-catching back that could hawk some pass-catching work from Taylor, but Taylor is more than capable of handling that role as well. That's something he wasn't necessarily asked to do at Wisconsin, but during his pro day, he showed he's a fluid pass catcher. Speaking of Taylor's time at Wisconsin, um, one of his concerns was the amount of work he saw at Wisconsin. To Taylor's credit, he stayed healthy his entire career at Wisconsin, despite all of the work he was asked to do. So I don't necessarily see his workload as a bad thing as much as I see it him proving that he is more than capable of handling work at the next level as well. Jonathan Taylor at 3.01 as my running back one, first running back taken off the board. Um, I'm actually fine with it. I think Taylor has a clear path to being a workhorse in the NFL. I think he's talented enough to do it. He can handle a three down workload and pairing that with the offensive line that he's going to run behind for most of his career. That screams success to me. I think Taylor is in a great situation. I'm happy to have him as my running back one at 21 years old, just getting started in the NFL. My second running back on this team, I actually didn't take until the 10th round. Um, it's Philip Lindsay. I got him at 10-10, the 10th pick of the 10th round, right on that turn. Uh, he's 25 years old, going into his third season. Uh, Lindsay, we all know the story, is an undrafted free agent. He worked his way into the starting lineup his rookie year and rushed for over 1,000 yards. He outperformed Royce Freeman. He is more versatile than Royce Freeman. He was used in the offense in really unique ways. He plays very, very strong for his size. He's obviously a smaller frame back. Um, Lindsey's value took a hit, as any running back's value would take a hit when you bring in a running back like Melvin Gordon. Uh, Gordon has been a workhorse his entire career. However, when Gordon signed with Denver, I don't think he took a workhorse role. Uh, Lindsey has proven over his two seasons in the NFL that he deserves to be on the field. Good things happen when he's on the field. So the Broncos' backfield will be a committee with Royce Freeman being the odd man out. Uh, Freeman doesn't do the things that Philip Lindsey does, and Melvin Gordon does the things that Royce Freeman does a lot better. So Royce Freeman's the odd man out. Philip Lindsay will have a role in this offense. I don't know what it'll be. I have a hard time thinking that he gets back to 1,000 yards. He could be third down, pass catching back. There could be two running back sets. This offense could look really, really good with all the weapons they've surrounded Drew Locke with. So I'm excited to see what comes of the Broncos. Uh, Philip Lindsay, I don't think he's going to have insane production. Like I said, he might not get to 1,000 yards. But as my running back too, especially not taking a second running back until the 10th round, really happy to have him at his value. I know he's going to be startable. Um, and I think he might surprise people with the amount of playing time he gets. So moving on to wide receiver at 2.10, I grabbed Chris Godwin. Uh, Chris Godwin fell to me 
and I couldn't have been happier. AJ Brown was taken right before Chris Godwin. I can see it, but at the same time, Chris Godwin at the end of the 2018 season showed you what he could do. And in 2019, he proved that that was not a fluke. He absolutely broke out. He finished the 2019 season as the wide receiver two behind only Michael Thomas, who set an NFL record on his way to that wide receiver one season. Uh, It's worth noting Chris Godwin did not play all 16 games. He was injured and missed the last two. Um, Michael Thomas would have finished well ahead of Godwin in at the end of the year, but Godwin's season was incredible. He is, it's a one, a one B situation and you can honestly take it either way. Um, Arguments can be made for Evans. I would side Godwin, especially with this change at quarterback. I think Godwin is better fit for Brady's skill set than he ever was for Jameis Winston's skill set. Winston's a gunslinger. Mike Evans is an elite wide receiver in this league. He was great for Jameis Winston. Jameis Winston could just heave it up. Evans would probably catch it. He's gigantic. Um, Brady is going to be a lot more surgical with his short and intermediate passes. That's where Godwin excels. Not only is Godwin excellent there, he's great in the red zone. He's great at contested catch situations. He's such a complete receiver. Um, I would argue Godwin as a top three dynasty wide receiver. Um, I've been thinking about making a legitimate case for Godwin as the wide receiver one in redraft formats next year. Everyone's going to lock Michael Thomas in. Um, I, th- I think there's a case for Godwin there, guys. Um, that could be my hot take, even though it's not really hot. Um, everyone knows Godwin is good, but putting him ahead of Michael Thomas would probably get some people fired up. Um, I, I just don't want to rule that out. I think Godwin is that good. And getting him at 210, he's 24. He's going to be great for years to come. He's shown that he can play with poor quarterback play with Jameis Winston. He's about to get an upgrade at quarterback with Tom Brady, at least for the next two seasons. I think Brady is going to love having Chris Godwin to throw to. Um, It's going to be like a better version of Julian Edelman. I think Chris Godwin is immensely more talented than Julian Edelman. It'll be up to the chemistry that Godwin and Brady can form, especially in this season, potentially shortened by the COVID outbreak. It's going to be interesting to see how the teams mesh. I know that Roger Goodell is prioritizing reopening team facilities um, hopefully that happens and we can see Brady and Godwin really mesh because I think that could be a really, really special duo going into the 2020 season. So my wide receiver two, I took it the back of the sixth round with the 10th pick. Uh, he's 27 years old, plays for the LA Rams. It's Cooper Cup. Um, I think Jared Goff's favorite target. Uh, Cooper Cup will be 27 when the 2020 season starts. He's currently 26, but... He's almost 27, so I'm just going to say 27 for the sake of the dynasty ranking and reasoning. Um, Last year, we saw Cup get off to an insane start. He was the wide receiver one ahead of Michael Thomas for the first eight weeks. His first eight weeks were insane. He had five games over 100 yards receiving in the first eight weeks. Um, most notably week eight versus the horrible Cincinnati Bengals. But his performance 
I just need to note it. He had seven receptions for 220 yards and a touchdown. That's ridiculous. Uh, Cooper Cup also had five touchdowns through those first eight weeks. He was hyper-targeted. He was making the most of those targets. He was a safety blanket for Goff. Uh, We all know the Rams' offensive line last year was horrid. Um, Unfortunately, it didn't get much better. But despite the bad offensive line, Cooper Cup proved that he is more than capable of excelling for Jared Goff and for that team in those poor situations. Uh, The team has moved on from Brandon Cooks, leaves Cooper Cup and Robert Woods as your alpha dogs. They brought in Van Jefferson uh, as a second-round pick. The rookie there will, I think he'll be relevant, but you're going to have guys like Josh Reynolds ahead of him, and Cooper Cup and Robert Woods are head and shoulders above what Josh Reynolds is. So I think... 2020 Cooper Cup's outlook is very good considering the team moved on from Brandon Cooks. Um, I think targets will be distributed between Cup and Woods um, with some sprinkled in there for Reynolds. The tight ends, obviously, Higby got that contract and some of the running backs will get the targets. But I think primarily you're going to see Cooks targets distributed between Woods and Cup. Um, with Cup being the the primary beneficiary because he's usually Goff's first read. Getting Cup at the sixth round, the back of the sixth round nonetheless, um, especially at his age, he's still just 27. Um, he had the ACL injury, but he recovered pretty much miraculously. We did not think that last year was going to be possible from Cooper Cup. He showed no signs of ever being injured. He looked better than he did the year before. Um, ACL injuries aren't necessarily predictable, so I wouldn't label Cooper Cup as injury prone. Um, so given his age and what he's able to do and what he means to the offense, I think Cup is a steal at 6'10". So at the tight end position at 5.01, I took Mark Andrews. I didn't necessarily want to take my tight end this early on in the draft, but in round four, um, Kelsey went and Kittle went. So at 501, if I didn't take Mark Andrews, I knew he wasn't going to get back around to the turn. And I would have been waiting for a tight end probably later than I needed to be. Um, Mark Andrews is 23 years old. He's younger than both Kelsey and Kittle. He is one of Lamar Jackson's favorite targets. So when you're one of the favorite targets in one of the best offenses in the league, that is great, obviously, and that's something you don't want to miss on, especially a 23-year-old tight end um, at a pretty thin position. We see tight end kind of be bolstered up by younger players like Noah Fant and TJ Hawkinson, but it's still thin at the top, and you don't want to rely on one of the younger guys to kind of break out. You want to get a guy you know is already established. So I took my shot on Andrews at 501, pretty comfortably seeing that the two tight ends went before him. Um, Andrews is coming off of 10 touchdowns in 2019. He is going to benefit greatly from the departure of Hayden Hurst. Um, Hayden Hayden Hurst was actually picked in the first round before Lamar Jackson was even picked. Um, Hurst has since been traded to Atlanta. Uh, Andrews has emerged as Lamar Jackson's favorite target 
in the offense, even more so than the wide receivers like Marquise Brown. Um, Hurst should be the beneficiary of more playing time. More playing time means more targets. More targets means more production and more chances to score. So I could easily see a path to Mark Andrews being a double-digit touchdown scorer again in 2020. So in my first flex spot, I took Debo Samuel at 701. He's 24 years old. He's a rookie last year who emerged as the wide receiver one for the San Francisco 49ers. He's a very easy target for Jimmy Garoppolo to hit. He runs really crisp routes, and he's very physical after the catch, uh, making him a problem for defenses once he has the ball in his hands. Uh, He's deceptively fast. Debo is immensely talented. He only had three games of his last eight games under 50 yards. So it's not uncommon for a rookie receiver to have a little bit of a late blooming into the NFL. You're not going to see guys very often come in and produce right away the rookie year. Um, By the second half of the season, Debo had fully emerged as a problem for defenses and a preferred target for the the 49ers. Um, He was their wide receiver one, and he deserved it. Um, This year in the draft, the 49ers added Brandon Ayuk. And I don't think that necessarily hurts Debo. Um, When you look at a, a receiver core as thin as the 49ers, where they basically just have Debo and Kittle as legitimate threats, that isn't very conducive to production because defenses are going to scheme for that. Um, With the addition of Ayuk in the first round, teams are going to have to respect a first-round wide receiver opposite of Debo Samuel. Um, That should shift coverage away from him. Kittle's obviously still going to be heavily covered because he is – elite and has proven that he needs that sort of attention but Debo and Ayuk should play off of each other very well Uh, Debo should be startable each week I think while Ayuk gets acclimated to the offense Debo is going to be the beneficiary of lighter coverage because you can't just leave Ayuk open he's he's very good after the catch as well so Debo in my flex spot I'm very excited about moving forward my second flex is Marquise Brown. I was able to scoop Brown at 901. So Brown is 23 or will be 23 when the season starts. He's coming up on that 23rd birthday. Uh, Brown it was a rookie last year coming out of Oklahoma. He was a human highlight reel at Oklahoma. He played with C.D. Lamb there and led the team in receiving um, Lamb's sophomore year before Lamb fully supplanted himself as the wide receiver one at Oklahoma and, in my opinion, the wide receiver one in the 2020 draft. I digress. Marquise Brown is extremely talented. He played in 14 games last year. Um, he was never fully healthy even since being drafted. He was dealing with injuries literally all year, still played in 14 games, hobbled in some not fully effective in most, still managed to score seven touchdowns his rookie year. Uh, If Brown can stay on the field, he's going to be a huge, huge advantage for Lamar Jackson. Lamar, obviously, I touched on Mark Andrews earlier. Lamar loves Mark Andrews, and I don't see that changing. But having a a game-breaking weapon like Hollywood Brown is never a bad thing for a quarterback with Lamar's skill set. He can keep defenses honest with his ability to run. 
Mark Andrews is going to require coverage in the middle of the field, and that could leave the outsides very open for a speedster like Marquise Brown to beat single coverage and get behind the defense and have Lamar just chuck a bomb down the field. Um, In the ninth round, nonetheless, a 23-year-old receiver who was a first-round pick in the NFL draft, I was very excited for Marquise Brown to fall to me here. Uh, He's an instant plug-and-play start and will continue to be that because of his home run ability. And this year, I honestly think his targets should steady out. Um, I think he could be a fixture in the offense for this year and years to come. So in my third flex spot, I grab one of my favorite players in all formats. Um, This guy is 23 years old, got in the 11th round. And he plays for the Pittsburgh Steelers. He's their wide receiver too. That is Deontay Johnson. Um, Deontay Johnson last year, obviously we know the quarterback situation for Pittsburgh was abysmal. You had Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges because Big Ben was injured all year. Um, Deontay Johnson as a rookie still saw 92 targets from those quarterbacks, if you want to call them quarterbacks. Um, Those guys are not it. Uh, Big Ben coming back should be a huge boost to Deontay Johnson just because he'll finally have competent quarterback play. Uh, Johnson flashed multiple times his rookie year. He is an excellent route runner. He's explosive. You can play him anywhere on the field. He's a smaller framed guy, but he can still win on the outside. He's very shifty in the slot. I love everything about Deontay Johnson's game. I think the Steelers got an absolute steal in the draft. Uh, We're talking about guys like Nikhil Harry, DK Metcalf, and AJ Brown, uh, Debo Samuel thrown in there. And Deontay Johnson flies relatively under the radar, especially given the productivity he saw in his rookie year. Um, Love Johnson as a player. He's very versatile. He plays all over the field, including special teams. He scored a, a punt return touchdown last year. So, Look for Johnson everywhere you can. If you can buy him in Dynasty Leagues, I would encourage you to do so. Um, Redraft Leagues, wherever he's being drafted, I strongly feel he'll outperform that value. So Johnson is a plug-and-play flex player for me, and I feel very confident, especially getting him in the 11th round. He's going to have a bright future in the NFL. Um, It's only going to get better. Uh, the, the Steelers quarterback situation long-term scares me. I hope that that's something they address next year. The 2021 quarterback class looks pretty promising so far. It'll be a matter of, are the Steelers going to be bad enough to land one of the good quarterbacks? Or are they going to be like, stuck with a developmental prospect? Um, nonetheless, Johnson has already shown that he can excel with poor quarterback play. He seems super safe to me, even in Dynasty Bye, bye, bye. Um, Redraft in Dynasty formats. Draft this guy wherever you can. He is a stud and will continue to improve. My super flex position, um, this is my second quarterback. I took him at 8-10. It's Matthew Stafford. Uh, Stafford is 32. Uh, 2019, he was injured halfway through the year. But if you look at Stafford's numbers, between 2018 and 2019 you'll see something pretty crazy um this is there's a stat i'm not sure if you're familiar with it's called intended air yards this is relatively new to me 
uh, intended air yards is just the distance the ball traveled in the air, whether that pass was completed or incomplete. So it just basically gives you a gauge of how far down the field is this quarterback targeting his passes. Uh, If you look from 2018 to 2019, the results are staggering. In 2018, Stafford played all 16 games, and his intended air yards were 3,840 for the entire season. In 2019, in only eight games, his intended air yards were 3,097. So in half of a season, he was 800 yards short of eclipsing his entire 2018 season. So that tells you Stafford was throwing the ball, and he was throwing it well. Uh, The team missed Stafford, obviously, after his injury. Before his injury, he was on his way to one of his best seasons he's ever had, uh, especially since Calvin Johnson retired. He was doing all this with not Calvin Johnson. So Matt Stafford hasn't lost anything despite being what we may see as old. Um, That's another point I want to touch on is that 32, Stafford isn't old for the position he plays You look at guys like Drew Brees and Tom Brady playing into their 40s. Aaron Rodgers at 36, still playing at a high level. Stafford is 32. He's younger than those guys, and he is still playing at a high level and pushing his career bests in multiple categories. So in a super flex league, at pick 810, to get my second quarterback, uh, a guy as capable as Matt Stafford, I was really happy to have that. And if he can stay healthy and continue the pace he was on in 2019, very, very excited for what this team can do. Um, So just to recap the starting lineup, that would be Patrick Mahomes, Jonathan Taylor, Philip Lindsay, Chris Godwin, Cooper Cup, Mark Andrews, Debo Samuel, Marquise Brown, Deontay Johnson, and then Matt Stafford to round out that starting crew. Uh, that's who I'll be rolling out week one, barring any injuries or unforeseen circumstances, obviously. Uh, this is obviously super early in the offseason. A lot of stuff could still happen uh, as offseason programs hopefully resume soon. Uh, players could get injured in training camp. We hate to see that, but that's something that we need to come to expect and prepare for. Um, as fantasy players, I know that this is just a silly game and these guys' careers on the line, but this is the game we play, and that's one of the factors we have to be prepared for. Um, so overall, I love my lineup. Um, I'm young at every position. Uh, Matt Stafford's my oldest starting player at 32, and he's still not exactly old for the position he plays. Um Not only am I young, I'm also established each position. I don't have guys who haven't shown they can do it. Um, Jonathan Taylor is the only player that hasn't performed at the NFL level, and he's also one of the best running back prospects we've seen in the past few years, Um, right up there in the same breath as like Ezekiel Elliott, Saquon Barkley. He's obviously not those guys, but he physically is different. Um, and that's huge. And I think that Jonathan Taylor has a clear path to being one of the the top running backs in the NFL in the next three years. Um, and that's what you draft in Dynasty. You look at three years out, five years out, see what these guys are going to be in that time. Um, I believe Jonathan Taylor could ascend to one of the top running backs, definitely a top 10 running back in that time frame. 
Um, so he's well worth that 3.01 cause I can keep him on my team until, uh, that, that, that rookie contract expires or whatever that may be. If he starts to lose value sooner, if he peaks in value and I choose to trade him for uh, as much as I can get back, it's part of the, the strategy and dynasty. Uh, it's too early to say right now, but all this to say, I'm really happy to have Jonathan Taylor as my most unproven player. Cause I think he is a stud and will be very, very good at the next level. So that rounds out my starting lineup. Uh, that is again, a 10 team super flex dynasty startup draft. So this is the team I'm going to move forward with in this league for years to come. Um, I think I'm in a good place. Uh, my bench, there's a lot of players I did not touch on that are on my bench that I'm really excited about. Um, just a few names of Preston Williams, AJ Dillon, DJ Dallas, uh, my boy C.D. Lamb should have been the first name I said. Um, got him. So my team is in a good spot, not only now, but also in the coming years, which is crucial in Dynasty Leagues. So that brings us to the end of episode one of the A to Z Fantasy Football Podcast. I wanted to keep it pretty simple. I'm new to podcasting, so I just stuck with a, a team breakdown of a team I already know and already wrote an article about. Um, I would encourage you to check out that article at our website. Uh, I'll post a link in the description for you. Also, please follow us on our social media. We're on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, Twitter's been up for a few weeks. Instagram's pretty new. The at is the same. I'll spell it out. It's A-T-O-Z-F-F-B. A to Z FFB on Instagram and Twitter. Hit us up there. Um, I'll be posting on both platforms. Some will be the same, some will be different, but be sure to follow along so you're up to date with everything that we've been doing. Also, feel free to engage with us on our social media platforms. Leave comments, post questions, leave polls. Um, we want to know what you guys want to see coming out uh, as far as content goes. Um, so far, I've been writing stuff that I want to write about, but if you have questions, I would love to dig into those for you. Um, I want to be thoughtful in my analysis. I also want to be um, relevant in my analysis. So if I'm writing stuff that you guys don't care about, that doesn't really do anyone any favors. So if there's questions about players or certain content you want to see, please let me know. Um, and I'll dig into that and know that I put I do put a lot of time and effort into this stuff. So even though it's just a hobby, it's not something I'm going to brush off. I want to get you guys a uh, useful content for you to help win your leagues. So with that being said, I'm going to go ahead and sign off. I've been up and at this for about three and a half hours off for this uh, 40 minute episode. So I'm pretty wiped. Um, but yeah, please leave your, your reactions. Um, we'd love to interact, get to know what we can do better, what we're doing well. Um, what you guys want to see us do differently. Um, just be respectful with it all. It's um, all we ask. So have a good night. Take care of yourselves. And see you next time.